0: Have you ever seen that uh, image, uh, gif, or movie, or whatever you want to call it, of the ballerina that is gently spinning, but the ballerina that's all in silhouette, and there's light behind, and when you first look at it, she appears to be turning in one direction, and you're instructed to imagine her or see her turning in the other direction, and all of a sudden, she's turning the other direction. Have you seen that one? well, you have something to search for now when you go home. But it is uh, there is that for an optical illusion, and there are are others based on the same principle. When we don't have any details and it's all in black, we can't tell which way it's turning, but we know that it is turning because we see it, but we don't know which way. And so once we see that it can turn either way because of the shadow or uh, anything like that, we can't help but unsee it. And I've been reflecting on that that image or that reality for what we are seeing in our world these days. Because we have people that look at God and they see him very differently than what we see him as. And it doesn't mean that they're always right or anything like that, but that's their, their illusion. That's what they have maybe deluded themselves to believe. And I'm thinking especially of those that are so proud of the... I might as well say it, the Dodgers, who honored a particularly uh, anti-Catholic uh, hate group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Not only are they uh, anti-religious women, um, they are, uh, their behavior is scandalous, a mockery of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, uh, and the Blessed Mother, and uh, of course, all in the name of homosexuality. More often than not, that's, that's just one, one symptom of a, of a larger problem. We live in a culture that finds it easy to mock God, easy to make fun of Jesus Christ or the Blessed Mother, easy to dismiss the church. And I think it comes down to the illusion, what they are seeing in their, their minds and hearts. They're seeing one of two things. Either someone, something that's not worth anything, that is meaningless and therefore worthy of mockery or something that is most meaningful that they have to reduce, they have to tear down, they have to reduce to nothing and make fun of because if the claim that Christians as Catholics make is true, that requires something from them. Again, I think they are falling into the illusion of what they believe doesn't mean anything. What they what they believe that uh, that God doesn't mean anything at the same time we have this picture of God as being this vengeful uh, spiteful God. We hear that especially uh, when people discuss the Old Testament that God is a vengeful God that he's a mean and malicious God, and yet we have glimpses of profound love. Yes, there's war in the Old Testament, and actually if we pay attention, there's war, but it's a war against not against flesh and blood, but against uh, angels and demons and principalities and powers and all those things in the New Testament. But the Old Testament, even though we have that violence, and we have so much, we have glimpses of God's love. And don't we have that in today's first reading? Moses reminding the people that God is, has picked them up, that he's put them on eagles' wings, that he's borne them, that he's caring for them. That He's protecting them, and if we begin to look at the Scriptures, especially the Old Testament, with that light, that this is God's love, all of a sudden we begin to see, time and again and again, the commandments. Even those that don't necessarily make sense to us as Catholics, they begin to make sense. I had a, com- a brief conversation with somebody this week about uh, some of the, uh, uh, like some of the kosher laws of, of not eating pork or not eating uh, shellfish. Uh, pork, and, uh, with, with that particular bacteria, I can't, can't name it right off the top of my head, but it was a dangerous uh, condition. And so God, in his wisdom, told them, better off, don't eat pork. Of course, now, I don't know about you, but I like my bacon, my ham, and my pork chops, and pork tenderloin, and, and all those things. But in uh, these days, it was God's way of telling them, no, or shellfish. How they were so prone to parasites, more so than any other fish or seafood product. And so it's better not to eat it. Or time and again, when we begin to look at the commandments that way, we see this is God's love, not his trying to harass. After all, if he didn't love us, if he didn't wanted us to be miserable or whatever it is, he wouldn't have created us. So we see God is a God of love, even in the Old Testament. But we have that God revealed and given a human face in the new as Jesus Christ takes on flesh. And today in this Gospel passage, we hear how that heart was so wounded, moved with pity for the crowd, moved with pity because they were troubled and abandoned, moved because they didn't have... A shepherd to lead them. Of course they did, it was Jesus Christ, but they didn't know it yet. And so he instructed his disciples not only to pray, but to become workers for the harvest. He sent them out two by two and, and to proclaim that gospel, to proclaim the good news. And notice that at first that gospel is only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not that the Samaritans or the Gentiles were unimportant, It's just not their time yet, or wasn't their time yet. But he gives them the task to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Because this is what is in the heart of Jesus. Mercy, love, compassion, forgiveness, a desire for reconciliation. And this reconciliation is ours if we come to him. And today in the second reading, we hear St. Paul telling us that while we were yet sinners, Christ offered himself for us. Indeed, it's difficult for for somebody to die for a just man. He might find reason to for a just man. But Jesus, while we were still sinners, died for us. That's how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. And if that's what our knowledge and and, uh, sight of Jesus Christ is, We can't help but see him in any other way. We can't help but understand that this is who he is. On Friday of this week, this past week, we celebrated the Feast of the Sacred Heart. I find it fitting that that was the same day as the Dodgers game, the infamous, hopefully soon to be uh, well-remembered. I find it comforting that it seems there was almost as many people out prayerfully protesting outside the stadium, as they were inside watching the ball game. We can laugh about that later, but I think it's a sign that somehow God is getting through to his people. That God is speaking to us and reminding us that we cannot make a mockery of him, will not make a mockery of him, but rather to stand up against this tyranny. It's not to say that we are anti those that are suffering from same-sex attraction, as the church prefers it to be called because we are not a condition. None of us are a condition or or our attractions. We're not gluttons or, or anything else, so why should we use that language? But we are against the agenda that stands and stands opposed to everything that we believe. And we seek, we know we seek God's will because God knows what's best for us, because God created us. The Creator always knows the creature. The artist always can best explain the art he has created. And that's true with with our sexuality, is true with our uh, with everything that we are. That God knows us. And yet we live in a world that so often sees this as an affront to human freedom. We see that we see live in a world that sees this as, well, you're telling me what to do and, and how to live and well, yeah. But you're free to do what you want, but don't expect salvation. Well, that's injustice. Well, I found myself reflecting on that too. So often we, we think injustice is something that we don't deserve, but God is always just. He's a loving judge, yes, but he's a just judge, and he will judge rightly. If we choose to live apart from his law, If we choose to to live not seeking his mercy, not seeking his love, if we choose to make a mockery of him, we will stand condemned. That's justice, not injustice. If rather we seek his will, and I know some very courageous uh, men and women, both that are dealing well and seeking lives of. Of chastity and, and uh, despite uh, a same-sex attraction that they might be experiencing. They, they are profoundly courageous and they would be the last to call it pride because they know in the end it's humility that's most important. That's what the Sacred Heart reminds us of too. Again, how do we see the heart of Jesus? Do we see him as most meaningful? as love, as revealing God the Father's love for us, offering us expiation, offering us forgiveness. And to take it one step further, how do we see each other? See, the same optical illusion that we might have of Jesus, we have of others. Sometimes we see others as condemnable, as irredeemable sinners. I honestly do not believe Jesus would look at anyone as irredeemable if they accept that glimmer of grace that he offers. No one is beyond his redemption. No one. And so we need to help others to see, You maybe remind them that what we think is a dancer going clockwise is actually going counterclockwise too. To begin to see in new ways that we are all loved, that God is merciful, that God is forgiving. But we need to come to him to experience his mercy, not to make fun or not to belittle or not to uh, anything other than worship. As we come this day, we know that the heart of Jesus is moved with pity for us, moved with pity for the world, seeking reconciliation and just like the 12 in today's gospel we too are called unless we think we're lesser or this is too impossible for us i'll just point out two think of poor judas he betrayed the lord as long as we don't betray the lord we're better than at least one of the twelve and think of poor peter He keeps saying that he got it right about as many times as he got it wrong before the resurrection. And one one moment, you are the Son of God. The very next moment, oh God forbid, that should not happen to you, Lord. So, too, they sometimes messed up. Sometimes they didn't have the right vision of who God was. But they kept striving, so too for us, to keep striving to first know Who it is that we believe we are worshiping when we come to worship Jesus Christ, when we come to worship God the Father, when we come to worship the Holy Spirit, and who it is that others are, that they are redeemable, that the Lord loves them just as much as he loves us, and he seeks them, desires them, wants them, wants all of our conversions.